0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here. Welcome. Third hour of the program across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Don't forget, if you're in Orlando, go to WDBO.com. Click on their website, the sections tab down to more to contests. And you might come hang out with me. Uh, we'll serve you some food on Friday. Um, by the way, Keith, if you're listening, the the um the the bacon spinach souffle from Panera bread, if if you're serving me breakfast from Panera, solid. <laughs> okay. Um I, I, I gotta I, I gotta move on to something I've been wanting to talk about. Um and I, I don't like to have calls back to back, but we had to with our schedule today, and I had to talk to Chris. I had to. If you're just tuning in. Um, I'm going to give you a different keyword because I want to push this out. Uh, I want to make sure everybody has it. Text the word Eric to 33777. Text Eric to 33777. We divide up the podcast by the hour so you can get the second hour of the podcast and hear my conversation with Chris Wilson. I'm going to push it out as a standalone to Substack subscribers. The very first link, if you text Eric to 33777. Subscribe to the very first link. I'm sending out Chris Wilson's conversation. If you weren't here, if you're just tuning in, Chris Wilson is, I think, the best pollster in America. He doesn't do public polling. He only does private polling. He does very detailed polling. He was Glenn Youngkin's pollster. He's the guy who told me, despite the public polling, that I could be assured on radio telling you guys Youngkin was going to win. He's the guy who in 2014 was telling me that David Perdue was going to win, even though all the polls had Michelle Nunn winning in Georgia. He's the guy who told me a runoff was coming in 2020. And he's the guy who is now telling me a runoff is not coming in Georgia, that Herschel Walker will win without a runoff. He is a brilliant pollster. Uh, He knows his stuff. A, A very insightful guy. And I want you to be able to hear that conversation. Text ERIC to 33777. Subscribe to Substack. Get the podcast. All of that. Um, you can listen on the 24-7 stream. It'll repeat until noon tomorrow. Now, there's something else I got to move on to. I, I And I'm very passionate about this. Need you to listen to me on this one. There is a lady named Emily Oster. Oster. She's writing in the Atlantic, let's declare a pandemic amnesty. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. In April 2020, with nothing else to do, my family took an enormous number of hikes. We all wore cloth masks that I had made myself. We had a family hand signal which the person in front would use if someone was approaching on the trail and we needed to put on our masks. Once, when another child got too close to my then four-year-old son on a bridge, he yelled at her, social distancing. These precautions were totally misguided. In April, 2020, no one got the coronavirus from passing someone else hiking. Outdoor transmission was vanishingly rare. Our cloth masks, made out of old bandanas, wouldn't have done anything anyway. But the thing is, we didn't know. I have to tell you, for a very long time, I was willing to give the health experts in this country the benefit of the doubt. I said in 2020, when they changed their guidelines on masking, that the way they did it was going to sow doubt and confusion. They should have been honest that they need medical professionals to go first. Instead of telling people masks are unneeded and then telling us they were needed. And I know a lot of my friends disagree with me, and so I don't put clips up on social media about this, Philip, uh, in large part because I get so many friends who get inundated and angry on the mask issue when actually I do think the data did show early on that as the virus in its original form, if you had it and you wore a mask, you could prevent the spread. It wasn't necessary for the rest of us to wear them. Uh, But for those who had it, it could mitigate the spread. The problem was that people were wearing cloth masks, and as the virus mutated, it was able to survive on smaller and smaller particulate, according to multiple studies, and they didn't do us any good anymore. I leave that off social media in large part because it's so controversial among people who've been very dogmatic about the mask the whole time, but I do think the virus evolved, and a lot of our Dogmatism on the virus from 2020 um, involved ignoring the evolution of the virus. The problem here is that a lot of the people who became very dogmatically belligerent on the left and among Democrats did so not because of the data on the virus, but because of their antipathy for Donald Trump. And so if Donald Trump said something, they went out of their way to try to contradict him. In 2020, Brian Kemp shut down the state of Georgia, where I live, for a month so hospitals could pool their resources, get a good supply chain going for ventilators and the like, when the virus was still new. And then he reopened the state. Donald Trump attacked him twice. The Democrats attacked him. And the Atlantic, that now wants an amnesty, said that he was experimenting with human sacrifice in Georgia to save the economy. I want to state my position very clear. I do not hold against anyone, any position they took on COVID, whether it was the brain biblical donkeys yelling at people to put masks on, or the people who were yelling that vaccines did no good. I think the people who are the most skeptical of COVID wound up being on the right side of history and my skepticism was not there to begin with and moved over time. I'm very glad my family got the initial round of vaccines. I have been deeply discouraging of anyone to get boosters because I think the medical research shows they don't do any good. My wife has lung cancer, is immunocompromised, and I was very glad she got the first shot because when she did get COVID the very first time, It was three days of just being tired, and she was not in the hospital. And most of the people, I shouldn't say most, but very many of the people who have my wife's lung cancer, it's a very specific genetic type of lung cancer, they're all dead now. And she's not because of the vaccine. I think it was abysmal and horrific that so many people in the press and among Democrats, told us that the vaccine would keep us from getting the virus. They oversold it and built further skepticism about vaccines in general. Here's my issue. I refuse to cast aspersions on any run-of-the-mill American who took a position on COVID, hysterical or skeptical, Because all of us were reading data at the same time from various places, all of us overwhelmed and all of us told to get up to speed. People read different sources and came to different conclusions. My problem is not with your everyday run of the mill American. My problem is with the experts. There's no way in hell the experts in America should be given an amnesty on what they got wrong because they not only could not admit that they got it wrong, but they tried to use social uh, media companies to censor people with competing dissenting views. Dr. Fauci does not deserve an amnesty. Dr. Fauci deserves accountability. The CDC does not deserve an amnesty. The CDC deserves accountability. The Atlantic does not deserve an amnesty. The Atlantic needs accountability. This woman who got her kids into such a frenzy that her four-year-old started yelling at other kids about social distancing maybe needs some self-reflection. And she certainly doesn't want to get the blame. And this is my problem with this piece on amnesty. I'm a big proponent of forgiveness. Rarely do I let something just continue to gnaw at me. I think forgiveness is about me, not the other person. I don't care that they've used or didn't use words of I apologize or I'm sorry. Uh, Just let it go. Life is too short for you to continue to get worked up about people who have slighted you. Forgive them whether they ask for forgiveness or not. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I think that's the model. Now, it's biblical to say if someone asks for forgiveness, you should forgive them. I do think there's a measure of, of of suggestion in the Bible that whether someone asks for forgiveness or not, you should forgive them. Some demand forgiveness, uh, that, that a pattern of forgiveness and a statement, a recitation of grievances, and I'm so sorry I did this to you, for they forgive. I, I don't think that's real forgiveness. I don't care whether you agree with me or not. My view is that uh, I should forgive people who have wronged me, whether they ask for forgiveness or not. What I can tell you, however that while I forgive people who have wronged me, whether they've asked for it or not, I try not to let this stuff weigh me down and shape my future, I also think that for experts who helped us shape public policy, you can't give them amnesty, they must be held accountable because we rely on their expert opinion and what their expert opinion did over time was it doubt and caused contradictions and actually ruined the lives of many American children. It, I am not surprised to find that Randy Weingarten, the head of the American Federation of Teachers, that demanded schools be shut down and refused to reopen schools and claimed there would be no harm for kids is now circulating this article saying, yes, we all need an amnesty. We all need an amnesty. Southern states like Ron DeSantis' state, Doug Ducey's state in Arizona, Brian Kemp's in Georgia, they did not shut down their schools for very long. They were excoriated by the experts, by the teachers' unions and the like. And now the teachers' unions, where are they coming out right now and saying, hey, it turns out they did okay? Randy Weingarten, if you want some amnesty, come to Georgia and campaign for Brian Kemp, not Stacey Abrams, although he doesn't want you. Why are you championing Charlie Crist in Georgia in Florida instead of Ron DeSantis, who did everything right and made sure the kids in Florida did not fall behind like the kids in Michigan? You can't give amnesty to the experts, the elite, and the public opinion prognosticators who got it all wrong, doubled down on being wrong, and then tried to censor you when you got it right. I have said from the very beginning of this pandemic that the odds were it was released in some way from a lab, probably not intentional, but released from a lab. In 2020, the National Public Radio published a survey that 40% of Americans believed the racist lab leak theory. The racist lab leak theory, it turns out, was right. We now know the Biden administration, and Department of Homeland Security, worked with social media companies, particularly Twitter, to censor people. The other day... YouTube took down a video monologue of mine from two years ago. Do you know what it was? It was me explaining to people why Brian Kemp was opening the state of Georgia back up, despite the president asking him not to. It was an explanation of the data and the science, and everything that I said was accurate. And YouTube to this day, or or suddenly after two years, says I was seeding disinformation. It's not true. Everything I said was accurate. But they don't want to believe it. I don't think you should build up hostility with people. I don't think you should hold grudges and maintain grievances. I think it's bad for you. It makes you an angry person over time. But I have a hard time saying that the CDC and the FDA and Dr. Fauci And the media elite who censored people who disagreed with them and the people who yelled at you for being skeptical of vaccines, that they should just get a pass because they're the decision makers. They're the public policy elite. They're the people who set social policies in this country and set public policies in this country. The teachers union set public policy in this country and they all screwed it up. So when can they come forward and say, look, yes, we screwed it up, and here's why. The data changed or what have you. At least be honest with us that you screwed it up. At least acknowledge that maybe it was because the data changed and you didn't keep up on the data. When this pandemic started, I was telling people, yeah, look, I think you're going to need a mask, but public health officials need them first. That's why they're telling you don't have a mask. And then they told you to have a mask. Yes, the particulate and the data showed spread. But then... The particulate stopped showing that masks were useful, and I changed my mind. And I was very upfront with you. I've changed my mind on masks, and here's why. I was very upfront with you. I thought the mRNA vaccine originally did good with the first strain of COVID, but COVID has evolved, and the vaccine's not keeping up with the strains. So I don't necessarily think they're they're necessary. Particularly the boosters are not necessary. And I have been very adamant the entire time that children should not, did not need, and should not get the vaccine. The entire time, going all the way back to the beginning, there was no child in America unless they were highly immunocompromised that needed a vaccine. And yet the government has wanted to fire people for not getting the vaccine. They've wanted to force children. Even now the CDC wants to make the the COVID vaccine mandatory for kids in school. There's no amount of scientific research anywhere in the world showing it's necessary. How can we give those people an amnesty? They are the public policy makers in the country. They need accountability for getting it wrong, not amnesty for getting it wrong. We need them to be able to be self-aware enough to know why they got it wrong, how they got it wrong, what changed to make them get it wrong. And what they're going to do now that they got it wrong, as opposed to digging in their heels and still even now admitting the vaccine does not stop the spread of COVID, but you're going to lose your job if you don't get it. We need some accountability of our public health professionals in this country, including at the CDC and the White House, not just say, all right, guys, let's move on because there's going to be another pandemic. And we need to learn from this one what went wrong so we know what to get right at the next one. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do tank. Americans for Prosperity is a -a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at Eric. That's E R I C K. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you're game for it, I'm happy to answer your questions in the next half hour. Right now, I do want to go on and go to Carla, who's been waiting patiently. Welcome to the show, Carla. How are you?
1: Carla? I'm good. How are you? Sorry. Good. What's <laughs> so going sorry. on? Um, I just had a thought on the Herschel Walker Abortion issue, first of all, I you know, it, it smacks too much of a Kavanaugh kind of thing and so typical of, of the Democrat Party to do this. But I just feel like people are looking at this a little bit wrong. Uh, people who have participated in having an abortion are the very people, they're not being hypocritical at this point if they're against it. Those are the very people that now know the long-term ramifications of yeah. something like that. The torment, the self hatred that comes years later uh, from having participated in that—the realization that hits a person—and I, I just think that he can't respond that way. Well, for one, because I don't think he that in, there's much truth to any of this. Um, but they're the very people that do need to come against it. That would come against it because they understand, um, like I said, the long term. Horrific uh, torment that comes with yeah, it. So they were so, the very person. Yeah. The,
0: people did. the the data actually shows the women who are most opposed to abortion in America are women who have had abortions. Uh yes. And that doesn't surprise me at all uh, that that's the case. So there there is an inordinate amount of data out there from pro life institutes that have actually studied this issue that uh, they try to actually find women who have had abortions. To be the spokesman for spokeswomen for the issue because they tend to be the most hostile to the issue. It's it's really fascinating data, Carla. I appreciate the phone call, and I think there's something to that. I've got to tell you, uh, I, I'm just I continue to see these trend lines that are shifting in America right now, and the data among Latino voters, among female voters, breaking at the end of the GOP. I this goes back to the amnesty issue on, on COVID. I don't know that it is measurable, like the Afghanistan stuff. Biden's polling collapsed after Afghanistan. No one goes to the grocery store today and says, I hate Joe Biden because of Afghanistan. Uh, that was the moment his polling shifted and and everything thereafter relates to it because he became the guy who lacked empathy. And now that's translated into everything else. I I think that you have voters out there who none of them are going to the polls specifically saying, I'm going because they shut down schools. They're going because F the Democrats. They've screwed up everything. they screwed up my kid's life. they screwed up the economy. They've screwed up my job. they they screwed up our world. And it all comes back to that thing, I think. I think that matters. The holidays are the most exciting time of year. And if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep. Every single night, particularly before your kids wake you up early during the holidays, my goodness gracious, it's easier than it sounds. Though, you need the softest, most luxurious organic cotton sheets from Bull and Branch. Their sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They make a difference. You can truly feel night after night. Forget the script that they gave me to read you all. Let me just tell you, Bull and Branch. I sleep on their sheets and they get softer every single time I wash them. They are so soft at this point. Like they start out and they're fine. They're good sheets. You can tell they've got a nice weight to them. They've got a good thread count. The quality of the fabric is is very nice. But the more you wash them, the more you realize how good they are. Because they get softer, but they don't fray. That makes a real difference. I can tell you, I sleep on and Branch sheets. I bought them myself, even. They didn't send them to me as an advertiser. I actually bought them. We've been buying them for a while. They're towels and other things as well. But their signature sheets, they come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box for you. Your gifts are going to look great. You can give these sheets to people you love. Bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with and Branch Bedding. For a limited time, 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code Eric, E-R-I-C-K, at branch.com. That's Branch. B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code Eric, BowlinBranch.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I am delighted to have you with me. I'm happy to take your phone calls. There is a variety of developing news out there. And if you will just allow me to go with the flow of news right now, because th- there's been so much going on. Um, Saudi Arabia at this moment is warning the United States of an attack from Iran uh, on Saudi Arabia. Uh, the Iranians are also pursuing a drone program in uh, in in Ukraine on behalf of Russia. The Biden administration has now decided it's not going to waste time trying to get an Iran deal together, uh, given Iran's treatment of the protesters in Iran and their support of the Russian war in Ukraine. I know this does not get paid attention to in the national political press and probably does not get paid attention to by many of you. But I need you to know what is happening in Iran. Tens of thousands of people have taken to the streets to protest the Iranian regime. A young woman there was beaten and killed about a month ago now or more than a month ago. And her death sparked protests around the country. She had come to Tehran, the capital, from a different part of the country. And the moral morality police there rounded her up, beat her, killed her, sparking protests. Iranian women have been now protesting in the streets, many of them killed since. The Iranian regime is not opposed to killing the dissidents because the Iranian regime is a fundamentalist Uh Shiite Islamic regime that believes it is doing God's will. And these protesters are the spawn of Satan and they will save the regime by killing the people. You may think that they can't kill enough people, that they will just stop. There are so many, there are tens of thousands of people. There's no way they will kill them all. I assure you the Iranian regime is perfectly willing to kill all the people. They are blaming uh, the White House. They are blaming the Zionists of Israel. They are being forcibly arrested. They are being beaten. People are being killed. And they are very brave. Masa Amini, that is the name of the young lady who was killed seven weeks ago. The... Iran Revolutionary Guard is telling protesters not to come in the streets, that the riots are over. They are killing women and children. They're killing men. I need you to put the Iranian people in your prayers. This is a serious, dark time in Iran. The Iranian government, likewise, is now helping the Russians, and they're getting money to prop up their regime by selling drones to the Russians to use in Ukraine. And now the Saudis are warning the Americans of uh, Iranian-backed attacks in the Middle East. Iran and Saudi Arabia are the two big power players of the Middle East outside of Israel. They do not like each other. Saudi Arabia is increasingly close to Israel, thanks to Donald Trump, who doesn't get enough credit for it and should get the Nobel Peace Prize for what he did for peace in the Middle East. The Iranians need to be stopped. The Biden administration has been coddling them, trying to get a deal. They're finally seeing the light, and they are now rejecting a deal with Iran that is good for now. Will they pick it back up? I don't know. They can't right now, which is good because of Iran's own behavior. We should be working with the Iranian people to end that regime instead of keeping them at arm's length. Part of the problem, a lot of people tell me who know what they're talking about, is that uh, what next, that's the problem in Iran. Because for years, there's been a movement to restore the Shah, who was deeply unpopular with the Iranian people. The Iranian people want some level of democracy in Iran if they can get it, Um, but the Iranian people have gone from an empire with a Shah to mullahs. Are they able to pull off a democracy without a strong man in charge? And I get the sense that maybe they're not, even though they think they are but I think we should at least allow them to sort out their own destiny outside of the mullahs, the, the religious hierarchy and leaders there. Something's got to happen with Iran. Now, having dealt with Iran, let me pivot back to this country. I am happy to take your phone calls as well, 877-973-7425. Uh, we in this country are starting to see some weird polling coming out. In uh, St. Anselm College has a poll out in New Hampshire that now has uh, the the Republican in the lead for the Senate race there. I wanna caution us all at this point against irrational exuberance. I have been accused of as much by saying, I think Chris West in South Georgia might have a shot at winning. He's running against Sanford Bishop who's a highly popular bipartisan Democrat. Uh, Chris West does not have the money to run the ads that Sanford Bishop is running. Sanford Bishop is running a lot of ads For himself, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee is attacking Chris West. I think Chris West can pull it off, but I'm in the vast minority there. I do think Herschel Walker can win without a runoff, and I'm encouraged that Chris Wilson, who's one of the best pollsters in the country, thinks his polling shows that Walker can do this. I think Adam Laxalt wins in Nevada. I think Blake Masters wins in Arizona. I actually think... Dr. Oz can pull it off in Pennsylvania. If he doesn't, uh, it's because Doug Mastriano held him down, who I Chris Wilson, you heard him say, thinks highly of Mastriano. I'm not, I'm not a big fan. I think he hasn't been a very good candidate. He's made some serious errors, including ignoring uh, people like Selena Zito, the conservative reporter there. What I find very interesting, though, is that there are polls around the country now showing Democrats in despair and and doom approaching in places where they should not be. Whether it's the New York governor's race or the New Hampshire Senate race or the Washington Senate race, there's clearly a trend happening here at the end. Everything is breaking in the, the direction of the Republicans. And this is something you have to understand about wave years. In wave years, the wave breaks the same direction everywhere. By this time, if there was a Democratic counterinsurgency, we would see it in the polling, and we don't. What we see is this Republican wave gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't know if you've seen the, the, um, the surfer, what is it, Nazare, um, in, uh, in, in Portugal. Um, it's this massive 115-foot wave, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing, and finally crashes down with this tiny little surfer on this wave, it's a really impressive, broke a record for highest wave. This is what is happening in the country right now. There is a wave and this wave gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And with the wave growing the way it is, uh, there are going to be upsets there are going to be surprises, which is why I, I I cling to Chris West might be able to pull it out in in South Georgia the the black voter turnout the Democratic turnout in South Georgia and in Darty County that's Albany, Georgia is not as big as it needs to be to help the Democrats uh I I just I, I it wouldn't surprise me but it, there are going to be other upsets Katie Porter in California I think she's toast Good she's terrible. The, the idea that Maggie Hassan is going to lose in New Hampshire where polling has not shown this anywhere – Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the wave is breaking. Here's the thing, and this comes from the Wall Street Journal, and the Wall Street Journal polling is polling of registered voters, not likely voters, which means it has a natural bias towards the Democrats, because whether you wanna believe it or not, there are more self-identified Democrats registered in this country than there are Republicans. And in the registered voting poll, women have shifted from a 26-point lead for Democrats to a 15-point lead for Republicans, On education, on crime, on the economy, abortion is not an issue anymore in the polling outside of highly deep blue areas of the country. And if that is the case, I think the Democrats are in a world of hurt. In September, Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire had a 9.5% lead. Today, it's a 2.3% lead. Don Boldock the general is ahead in the St. Anselm College poll by one point. All of the polling has broken towards the GOP in every single state. Adam Laxalt is now in the lead in Nevada. In Arizona, Blake Masters is only behind by 2.4 points. You heard uh, Chris Wilson. He's been polling a lot in Arizona. He says that Masters is actually winning in his private detailed polling. In Georgia, Herschel Walker is in the lead, 1.6 points. You got the Fox 5 insider advantage poll. This doesn't even include, well, no, it does now include the Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll. That has Walker up one. Only one poll right now, the New York Times-Siena poll has Raphael Warnock in the lead. And Nate Cohen at the New York Times says, actually, uh, they're having major uh, hostility of Republicans towards answering the pollsters' phone calls. 28 times more likely to get a Democrat answering the phones than a Republican now with the New York Times Siena poll that has Warnock up three. Walker is closing with a positive closeout message. Warnock is still on the attack. That tells me that Warnock thinks he's trying to get into a runoff and Walker thinks he's out of a runoff. They're not both polling at the end you got the collapse of Stacey abrams in georgia the collapse of charlie christ in florida you got the collapse of tina what's her name out in in uh in in oregon you've got the collapse of steve's uh what's his name out in nevada the incumbent democrat the democrats are pulling their money out of nevada they've given up trying to save the governor out there joe lombardo is going to be the governor there's something in the water happening in this country And it's happening big, it's breaking big, and it's all breaking in the same direction for Republicans. That's telling. I want to play you this clip from John Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire. He was on with Chris uh, Chuck Todd on NBC's Meet the Press. Listen to this exchange. This is very telling.
2: Yeah, let me tell you, you, you're in a bubble, man. I love it, Chuck, but you are in a bubble. If you think anybody is talking about what happened in 2020 or talking about Mar-a-Lago and all that, I know the press loves to talk about it. People are talking about what is happening in their pocketbooks every single day. I, look, I get When that, they have governor. to buy groceries it. or fill should up Should they gas, be? Or right now. You well, that, that far be to, Yeah. Over they be?
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> How could they? Of course! Oh my gosh, Chuck, this is hitting people. They're having trouble paying their mortgage. They're having trouble making car payments because of bad policies out of Washington. Should they be? That is, look, the beauty of the American system is every voter has the right mm-hmm. and almost the responsibility to be selfish with their vote, to vote in terms of what is best for their totally family, great. the better choice for schools, better economic opportunity, and that's exactly what's going to happen in a week, which is why Hassan's going to get fired. A whole bunch of these Democrats are going to get fired because, frankly, folks that think that we're war- that the average voter is worried about 2020 the average voter it, it's a serious issue of course but it is not what people are going to be voting on in the next week
0: exactly a serious issue it's not what people are going to be voting on and the democrats became so obsessed with that they lost the plot let me jump to the vulture real quick wayne you're going to be up next welcome to the show wayne
1: hi eric second time caller just real quick uh was talking to your call screen call screener uh, insinuations and political tricks uh, there's a lot of people on the right that uh phil may be victim to insinuations of the election is stolen uh i agree with you that it wasn't that there was problems but it wasn't i just find it appalling and i wish people would start to really uh see how they're being bamboozled uh that Stacey abrams sat up there the other night on the debate stage and said without any kind of factual background that sheriffs are racially biased against uh, black people i think that's uh absolutely horrid um and yeah, listen, anybody I, I,
0: I will tell right you I probably vote against her but this is I think this actually hurts more than just Stacey Abrams on the Democratic side with crime being a big issue for Stacey Abrams the, the leader of the Democratic Party in Georgia to attack uh sheriffs in Georgia where is jen Jordan so for those of you outside of Georgia you don't know who jen Jordan is she's abortion barbie of Georgia Uh, She made her play like Wendy Davis in Texas on abortion and decided to run for high office, statewide office on the issue of abortion. She actually said she would refuse to enforce the laws as attorney general in Georgia. Why haven't any reporters in Georgia shoved a microphone in Jen Jordan's face and asked her what she thinks about Stacey Abrams saying 107 sheriffs in Georgia just want to round up black people? There is your media bias. There is your media bias at play here because you know damn well if a Republican had said something like that, every reporter nationally would be descending on every Republican down to dog catcher everywhere in the nation shoving a microphone. Do you agree with what this Republican in Georgia said? They're not doing that. They're not doing that because they're biased against the Republicans. They hold both sides to a d- double standard. I challenge those of you in the Atlanta media right now who are listening, and I know you are because you got to do show prep for your evening newscast, go shove a microphone in Jen Jordan's face, the Democrat running for attorney general, and ask her if she agrees that 107 sheriffs in Georgia just want to lock up black people. I dare you to do it. You're not going to because you're in the tank for them, but I dare you to do it anyway. Now, I got to tell you... All these Democrats are going to need to fire up their Eden Pure Thunderstorms and clear the air after the election because they're all going to be toast. And, well, burnt toast kind of stinks. They need to clear that air. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm actually can get rid of those burnt toast smells, can get rid of the the sulfur, sulfur smell after Raphael Warnock and Stacey Abrams lose, gets rid of the litter box odors, the pet odors, the smoke odors. It just wipes them out. And you can get two of them right now with a BOGO. You buy one, you get one free. You buy two, you get two free. You buy three, you get three free. See how it works? You go to Eden Pure Deal com, and you put in Eric Bogo, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O, no space, Eric Bogo, and you get three, well, no, 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 you, you get one, you buy another one free, so if you get three, buy three, you get three free, it's Eric Bogo, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O, you go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, you put in Eric Bogo, and you buy one, you get one for free, EdenPureDeals.com. It is rare to hear the beautiful bass voice of Justice Clarence Thomas, but I want to play this audio. It's an exchange with North Carolina Solicitor General at the Supreme Court yesterday. Wait for the very end for the punchline.
3: And so uh, we value diversity of all different kinds and all the ways uh, that uh, people differ in our society. Uh, on. On the educational benefits question, Your Honor, uh, I don't think it is actually disputed here that there are real and meaningful educational benefits that come with diversity of all kinds. Uh, SFFA's own expert, uh, this is on JA 546, uh, conceded and agreed enthusiastically, in fact, on the stand, uh, that uh, a racially diverse and a diverse uh, a diversity of all kinds leads to, quote, a deeper and richer learning environment, uh, leads to more creative thinking and exchange of ideas, and critically reduced bias between people of different backgrounds and not solely for racial backgrounds.
1: Um, but you still haven't given me the educational benefits, um, the, um I didn't go to racially diverse schools, um, but there were educational benefits. And I'd like you to tell me expressly when a parent sends a kid to college that they don't necessarily send them there to have fun or feel good or anything like that. They send them there to learn physics or chemistry or whatever they're studying. So tell me what the educational benefits are.
3: So there's three main buckets, Your Honor. And uh, the first, and I think most pertinent to the question that you asked, is uh, the actual truth-seeking function of learning in a diverse environment. I would direct the court to the Major American Businesses Brief, which uh, discusses a whole extensive, rigorous, peer-reviewed literature uh, that diverse groups of people actually perform at a higher level. So the most concrete possible uh, scenario is, is stock trading. And there are studies that find that racially diverse groups of people making trading decisions perform at a higher level, make more efficient trading decisions. And the mechanism there uh, is that it reduces groupthink and people have longer and more sustained disagreement. And that leads to a more efficient outcome. You're ready for the
1: punchline. Well, I guess I don't put much stock in that because I've heard similar arguments in favor of segregation, too.
0: Oh, yep. That's the um, affirmative action case of the Supreme Court. Justices Alito and Thomas make it very clear if they can kill affirmative action, they're going to kill affirmative action. Uh, The left is apoplectic. Interestingly enough, about 70% of the public, non-white public, agrees with them.